I think it was a month later, um, without any sort of notification, without any emails back and forth, it just all of a sudden appeared on lifehacker.com. Welcome to the Disruptware Podcast. Whether you're just starting up or scaling your software business, we interview the experts with ideas and strategies you can implement today. Now here's your host, Paul Clifford. So on today's show, I have a young gentleman called Trevor Page, who's joining me to talk about his new startup, which is called Survey to Sale. And um, it's an amazing little uh, app. And, you know, I'm not going to go into the great detail and let Trevor explain it to you. You know, essentially, it, it's a tool that really increases the sales on any website, right? That That is the gist. Yeah, I managed to solve that uh, age old problem of I need more customers. So I'm I'm happy to talk about that today on your podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me, you know, um, a bit about yourself. You know, when, when did um, when did you get started? Because I think you've always been a a coder, developer. From that, that's your passion. That's at heart. Yeah. Yep, more or less from birth. Um, I was introduced to coding. Yep, very at a very young age. My father grew up as a, a coder himself, so he passed that down, uh, passed the torch on to his son, and um, yeah, I've been doing it uh, pretty much since I was about ten years old. And, um, you know, fell in love with it and sort of went through the whole typical path of going to university, um, learning uh, through computer science is what I took in university, graduating, getting a job. Um, but then around uh, probably 2012, late 2012, um, I decided to quit my full time job as a programmer, my nice uh, cushy office job and decided to throw myself into this uh, completely unknown world of entrepreneurship. So, yeah, yeah been fun so far okay now i got to ask you what was the program you wrote when you were 10 years old oh my god that's good so i've never been asked that question i probably it was a program that at the time this is i'm a complete nerd so i don't know if your uh, listenership will even know what the heck i'm talking about uh but who knows so i was a nerd and i was i was really into uh what were they called bulletin board systems bbs's way back Okay, cool. When I was a, a youngin, and um, there was a game that was on these bulletin board systems called Lord Legend of the Red Dragon, and all it was was a is a text based sort of role playing game, and uh, I fell in love with it. And the the problem with these BBSs is that you had to call in with your dial up modem, and you can if anyone else was on at the time, you just got a busy signal. So it was very difficult to dial into these BBS systems. So I said, you know what? I'm tired of waiting to play my game. I'm just going to make it myself. So I think that was my first program that I created was like a, a text-based Legend of the Red Dragon game uh, on, I think it was a Q-Basic programming language. So yeah, good question. Wow. You know, I remember those days too, you know, the, the bulletin boards, you know, which obviously predates predates the internet. Um, Correct. But, I, you know, I remember the everything was about the fastest modem you could get. You remember? 56k so, baby oh yeah well i was pre-u so i i was like i think 1200 board is board yes. b-a-u-d board uh, i think we yeah. called it wasn't i had it a, i had the 2400 bod was when i or, or bowed when i when i started as uh as, as a young in myself but then i upgraded to the 56k so yeah yeah good times and everything and then then they had like uh and then the compression came in and you had i think it i wonder if actually gzip compression actually came in uh, about that time, you know, because it, compressing the data, because you, mm-hmm. you know the the physical technology was a lot, obviously a lot slower 
um, and people came up with the software technology to compress data to send it over the modem so you can actually get more data across. Mm-hmm. Makes um, sense. Yeah, and um, and then obviously the compression then went into the modems themselves. And then, of course, once you got up to like ISDN, when that, when those days came out, mm-hmm. the internet came in. And obviously, we, we know the history from there, right? That's right. That's fascinating, isn't it? Don't don't get me talking about my inner geek. I know that's what I'm trying to. I'm literally biting my tongue because I don't want to go down this this rabbit hole that we, we started. So uh, yeah, exactly. we'll stop here. <laughs> Brilliant. So you know, you obviously you know um, been in development a long time, and um, you even started up a blog and started to teach other people, you know, how to develop um, in Java, right? That's correct. Yeah, I uh, I, I sort of learned that I was a, a decent teacher. Um, and, well, actually, I, usually I say it was when I was in my job, but my mom always said that I was a good teacher and I never, I never actually listened to her because um, it's your mom and she always, you know, they always try to encourage you. Um, so I, I didn't listen to her, but it was really, I, I realized in on my own in my professional job that I was a great teacher because I was bringing these junior programmers on board very, very quickly onto my team to the point where I could leave them alone um, with a problem. I could just throw a problem at them and say, hey, you know, so-and-so, I need you to fix this. And I can come back at the end of the day and be confident that they fixed it and fixed it correctly. Um, so that was interesting for me to sort of stumble upon. So I decided to take this skill and apply it to um, this new entrepreneurial venture, which I started with a, a programming blog and uh, put the two together. And it, it sort of, it took off. It, it went very well. Um, I got picked up by a big, uh, big name in the industry, lifehacker.com, published an article about me. And uh, literally got, you know, 10,000 hits within the few, first few hours of being on Lifehacker. It was insane. Um, and, and ever since, my, my traffic has sort of blown up from, from that point. And I've seen a lot of great, uh, great comments, uh, great uh, feedback from people who are going through and learning um, from my materials on my blog. Um, and I, I even went forward and actually just took most of that content and put in some unique content and, and published a book, too. Um, so I went the book route, published out on Amazon and even started a video tutorials website, um, based around the exact same topic, teaching people, uh, the Java programming language. So it's been fun. That's brilliant. I mean, so so you've done a whole load of things, you know, um, the, the book, I mean, that must've taken some time putting all that together, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a slow, slow process, but I mean, I was quite, um, I was very enthusiastic about the whole process. Mm. So I was publishing, um, you know, content to my blog three, four, five times a week. Um, you know, nice, good quality articles, um, about the Java programming language and in sort of, you know, chronological order is how I was, I was putting it all together. So basically the way I wish I was taught when I was in, you know, high school and university is how I put together my materials. And it seems like how I wish I was taught is also how other people wish they could be taught because they seem to resonate well with it. So I think that's why it really became the success that it has uh, I've seen from it. Um, it is because of the way I'm, I'm putting it together and the way I'm teaching it to the people. Got it. You know, which is, you know, really interesting because that there's so much material out there, you know, um, and I think anyone who wants to start up anything can probably find the information, but being able to communicate and train um, and educate people, I think that is where the real skill is. You know, being able to communicate and bring people, um, you know, forward in their learning. Um, and uh, you obviously have that because, you know, I've seen your site and I've seen, you know, you're getting lots of great feedback. 
Um, but t- tell me a bit about, um, you know, Life Hacker. So, I mean, that was great to get exposure there. But was there any sort of specific things you did to actually get, uh, you know, get published on there? Absolutely. So, uh, great question. I just, uh, I, I literally just reached out to them. I was trying to find um, ways to uh, just tell them that my blog existed. So, I, I, I sort of went into my sort of repertoire of of websites that I visited and I sort of cross-referenced that with my teaching materials. And I said, okay, would this website that I visit on a regular basis, would these guys be interested in publishing my stuff for their readers or listeners or what, whatever? Um, and when I found a match, I, I just went on their website and tried to find a way to communicate with them. So in the in the case of Lifehacker, um, there was a, you know, a little thing at the bottom of the page that just said, um, you know, send us tips. So you, you just send an email to tips at lifehacker.com. And, you know, short little email. I, I, I kept it nice and concise. I said, you know, my name's Trevor. I just created a, a new blog or I'm in, in the process of creating a new blog. I teach people how to program. I know that you have published articles about programming before. So I think this stuff might be of interest to your um, readers. And that was pretty much it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything fancy. And within, I think it was a month later, um, without any sort of notification, without any emails back and forth, it just all of a sudden appeared on lifehacker.com, this article uh, about my how to program with java.com blog. So it, it was quite, uh, quite a surprise. That's brilliant. So literally just reaching out to them. So, you know, I mean, that's, <clears throat> I mean, that's great to hear. And I think for many people, I think, are probably sitting there thinking, I'd love to get published on something like that. And probably don't even think about doing the obvious, you know, just trying to contact them, mm-hmm. you know, because, because I think many people think, well, I'll just never get exposure there. Um, and I guess the lesson in that is just to go out and do it. You've got nothing to lose, right? You just need to spend some time, uh, finding the right way in and, and send them a really good, strong email. Yeah. And I mean, to, to add a little bit more to that. So this is now, I mean, that was great. That was fantastic. That worked out well for me. So I tried to repeat that same thing across many, many other websites, um, probably 20 or so that I contacted after that. And um, I, I don't know, it's like they can smell it or something. They can smell the uh, the sales pitch or something in your email because it never worked. It never worked for any of the, the next 20 websites that I contacted. Oh, so, right. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it, it could be it could be that the, the 21st people I, I messaged would have picked me up and, and, and gone with it. So um, I think it's just like you said, you just need to reach out. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, you just can't uh, you can't beat yourself up about it. You just got to keep on going. OK, so it's a numbers game. That's it's, right. OK. All right. I was hoping you had some sort of art, some trickery that we could, uh, we could <laughs> you know. I uh, well, I mean, I I've tried many many tricks. I mean, if you if you want me, I can you know talk about the uh, the tricks that I tried that failed. I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of those. So it's <laughs> it's your call. Well, sure. I mean, you know, just maybe just give like three little tidbits of things not to do then. Yeah, because they're so, obviously I mean, working. One thing. Uh, one thing I tried. I tried heavily. Um, was to, and maybe this is the fault of mine. I was trying to get republished on Lifehacker. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I tried reaching out to the, the original gentleman who published an article about me, um, through Twitter. And I tried to establish, uh, a sort of relationship with him in terms of thanking him for the initial post, you know, telling him a little bit about my story and how he, you know, more or less changed my life with that one article, um, and, and, you know, he responded and he was very positive and he said, you know, that sounds great. I'm so happy that I could, you know, do this for you. 
Um, and then, you know, it was jab, jab, jab. And then when I went for that right hook and, and, and you know, introduced him to this new uh, venture I had, uh, nothing came of it. So it's, you know, maybe I, I didn't throw enough jabs before I, I tried to, uh, you know, sell him on this new venture I had. Uh, who knows? But that that tactic didn't didn't work out well for me. Um, and one more I, I tried was I, I had um, my customers or at least my fans of my stuff reach out to Lifehacker through the same medium that I did. So sending it to tips at lifehacker.com and just using honest feedback, they they sent messages to them saying, hey, you know, this this Trevor guy has great content. I love it. I've never seen anything, you know, as good as this anywhere on the Internet. And uh, and, you know, this was they were trying to get my uh, video tutorials course on Lifehacker. That's the whole reason behind it. Um, but I mean, I probably had 50 people email Lifehacker um, all with fantastic things and, and still nothing has come of it. And it's and that was probably uh, late 2013 that that happened. So, I mean, it's been over six months and I haven't seen anything come of it. So mm. I tried, but uh, but there you go. That's obviously an approach that doesn't work either. You got you to gotta be in the right place at the right time, it seems. Mm. I mean, it could be simply that, you know, your your first thing was a, a course and, you know, it it was something that they wanted to talk about at that time. It was probably hot. Exactly. Um, and of course, you know, they don't necessarily want to talk talk about that again and again. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it could literally be that. So that's 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 the takeaway, right? So now right. you can iterate on that and maybe uh, sniff out some other websites that are talking about your type of, uh, you know, material, whatever it is your material is. Right. Um, if you have the uh, the suspicion that they may talk about it soon, then reach out to them. Absolutely. So, hey, a little bit of research goes a long way. So let's talk about your new startup because um, I'm really excited about that because uh, you know I've seen that a couple of times and um, you know it, it, funny enough it was something I was thinking about doing last year. Oh yeah, obviously never got around to it, but um, not not quite the same, obviously. But um, you know one of the uh, one of the great tools and great businesses around now is called Qualaroo, and they're really good um, at trying to. You know, identify with the people the other side of the website. You know, by using like online questionnaires and things like that. Um, uh, you know, and I've done surveys and things to my audience, but to actually get people and entice people to give you that data is really quite hard work. And so you've kind of taken that concept or that idea and then twisted it and made it really work. Perhaps you'd be better off explaining it. Absolutely, sure. Uh, I would absolutely love to. So you you hit it, you know, nail on the head there. It's um, I had the same sort of thought. I wanted to survey my audience to with one of my products that I was building up, and um, and I knew that if I just reached out and you know cold emailed them and asked for a survey, or if I you know put a survey on my website, um, it's just you're going to get a low response rate. I, you just know it going into it. So you need to give them a reason to fill out that survey. I, I call it incentivizing the survey. And uh, I, w- I racked my brain over how I could uh, incentivize the survey to give them something uh, to make them want to fill it out. And I landed on a coupon code. So I put a, uh, I created this little widget that asks uh, the, your first survey question that you want to ask your, your audience. And it, it entices them with this little sort of bubble that says you can save X amount. So whether it's, you know, $5 or 10% or, or $50, whatever you like, 
um, it's right there in front of their faces. So this thing pops up, and it's not intrusive. It's it's in the you know bottom right hand corner. It's nice and out of the way. It slides up and um, it doesn't take up a lot of real estate on on your screen. But it's enough to to you know capture their eye, and they see this first question. And the first question can be something very simple, like how did you hear about us, or you know what what's your age range, or I don't know whoever whatever it is that you want to ask your audience. Um, but they see that little bubble that says save, you know, ten percent. And they say, oh, interesting, I can save 10% off of this product if I just you know, give them this one little answer. So they'll say, okay, well, I heard about you on Google. That, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give up that information. And then they say, you know, next. But then what happens is the magic. The, uh, the save 10% bubble sort of um, gets bigger or bubbles up and, and it changes from save 10% to say, you know, save 15%. And the second question is, is on the screen. So now they're hooked. And I've seen this work over and over and over again. Um, now they want to see how, how much they can save. Because it's this, this psychology, this psychological trick or technique of, of the, it's, all, it's not a bait and switch, but it's just, it's this reward that you can gain um, and you're working towards it. So you're working towards this reward that you don't know how far you can get with. And it's very, it's almost like gamification. And um, so they'll fill out the survey and then at the very end, you give them their their reward, their coupon code, and because they put in this effort to to attain this coupon code, they're much 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 more likely to redeem the coupon code and purchase your product than if you were to just flat out offer them the coupon code without them, you know, giving any sort of work in return. Um, so that it works really really well, and um, you know, for me myself personally, I've seen an increase month over month now. Every single month, I've seen this an increase of 200% in my sales since before I installed this widget. So it's been three months running because it's a, it's a brand new widget. Um, but for three months, I beat my best sales month ever three times in a row now. So it's quite exciting. That's brilliant. So, you know, essentially like double your conversion rate. You know, I mean, exactly. You know, this tool will double your conversion rate um, and I guess obviously pay for itself you know, within its first month, obviously, depending on what your product is. Yeah. And I mean, my, my product, I mean, I was selling an ebook for $15 and I was receiving maybe around 1000 to 1500 visits to my website a month. So, I mean, this is, you know, relatively speaking for myself, that's not a very high volume or high traffic website and it's a fairly low price point. So I was able to see, I was able to double my sales and absolutely within the first, you know, two weeks, I would have technically paid off the license cost for survey to sale uh, for the entire year. I would have paid it off in the first two weeks. Um, so it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite effective. And I've seen this sort of, and that's just myself. I've seen this sort of, um, uh, you know, these results from my customers that actually use it. Um, one of them is, is John Dumas. Do you know him from Entrepreneur on Fire? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah He's a great he, guy. He's awesome. I mean, he's he's been a very big supporter of of, uh, of myself and the survey to sale widget. Um, he installed it on his uh, product page where he sells uh, membership to Podcasters Paradise, his uh, mastermind group. Mm. And um, before installing this thing, he was seeing more or less zero dollars in passive income for his sales. So most of his sales occurred on webinars. Um, so it's very uh, non-passive. Uh, sales funnel that he had. So then he was interested in this survey to sale widget because I'd sent him a video explaining, you know, what it's all about. And he was very excited. He installed it. Um, and within the first month of him using it, he went from more or less $0 in sales, uh, to $12,115 in sales. Right. Wow. So 
just yeah, just incredible, incredible results. That's I'm I'm I would never have guessed that it would have worked that well. So I'm quite I'm quite excited. <laughs> That's brilliant. And so th- this this is just launched, right? So you, you uh, I think you went live. Was it last month? Yeah, I mean, I, I went live. I, John Dumas was pretty much my first real customer, and that was uh, February first. He went live with it. Wow, that's brilliant. And you know, how, how's it coming along so far? What are your plans for for the tool? Yeah, so I mean, I'm right now. I I'm more or less I'm done my you know my I'm past my minimum viable product stage. So that's great. That's a sort of a a goal that I've hit, which I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm just sort of implementing the features, the new features that uh, all the customers are asking for. Uh, so you know things like integrating with uh, other email delivery systems. So right now it integrates with uh, Aweber. Um, it integrates with Office Autopilot and Mailchimp. Um, so you can actually automatically grow your email list with this tool as well, because you can ask the question on your survey. You can say, "What is your best email address?" And uh, when they type it in, you can have it linked directly up to your email delivery system, and you can get those people right into your, you know, automated sales funnel. So that's another uh, cool thing that this this widget does, um, as well as one feature that uh, John had asked for. Uh, he wanted a countdown timer at the end of the the survey. So I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So I threw in a countdown timer as well. So, you know, it counts down whatever you like, however many minutes or, or seconds or days or whatever you want to give. Mm. Um, you know, it'll count down from like 10 minutes saying your coupon code will expire in. And so it just causes that uh, that urgency that uh, to seal the the deal when it comes to the sale. So it's it's nice. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. The, the scarcity value, you know. Exactly. The, the Robert Cialdini principle. Oh, I love his book. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's I've got good. it. I've got it right behind me. I, I I read it, you know, cover to cover. Great stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the the cornerstones of every marketing bookshelf. Oh, beautiful. Um, you know, I went to see him live actually in New York once. Um, yeah, it's it's very inspiring stuff. Um, so that's cool. So you've got you know good roadmap coming. Um, tell me about traffic. So you know, y- you've got some experience in getting traffic to you know your other sites. What what are you going to do in terms of getting exposure to this? Obviously, there's my podcast, and and that's going to you know get you some customers. But you know, um, in terms of general traffic strategy, what's your thinking around that? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's the obvious routes like uh, you know Im- embedding a blog and giving away great uh, you know great content on the blog. That's that's something that I think is a cornerstone for any sort of uh, traffic generating strategy. Um, but one thing that I'm doing now that uh, that's nice because I can do it with uh, this app is that you you can have a a link inside of the survey itself. So you can have your little branding on, on the, the widget to say, you know, powered by survey to sale. And that generates 33 percent of my overall traffic that comes to my website right now. So having that little, you know, logo on there. Is very good when you are on a customer's website whose customer base are also your customer base. So a good example of that is John Dumas. He sells his products to entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs are sort of my uh, demographic. So because he has this widget on his website and other entrepreneurs are seeing it, they see it, they realize the value in it, and then they want to know how to get it themselves. So they click on Powered by Survey to Sale, and that's how they land on my website and become... Uh, customers. So that's one cool strategy that I've implemented that seems to be working really well. Brilliant. Um, and I guess you're doing so, so guest posting and, and content marketing um, on, on other blogs as well? 
so I haven't done that just yet right okay. now because I am sort of fresh out of the gate. My, my initial strategy is, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm going on podcasts, getting the word out that way. Um, that's been my, my main sort of driving uh, or sales driving factor, if you will. Um, but eventually, once I get my blog up and, up and running, then I'm going to go into the yeah, guest blogging and whatnot. Um, although what's funny, uh, not funny, what's interesting is I just received a, a message from, uh, I signed up for Neil Patel's um, traffic lead program with uh, Quick Sprout, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. Yep. And um, he just sent uh, an email, whether or not it was in his automated funnel or not, or if it was a live email that he just sent today. I don't know, but um, he was talking about guest posting and how that is becoming um, something that you should be a little bit wary of. It's almost like guest posting is becoming uh, today's um, uh, blog comment spamming type thing. So, I mean, there's only so far you can go before you start to actually get penalized, which was something that was very shocking to me. I had no idea that that was turning into that. Um, I don't know if you've ever read anything about that that topic or not, but I literally read it today, and I thought, wow, I should you know talk to someone about this. This is interesting. Well, what's interesting? So that um, I don't know when you got that, but um, so I had a conversation with Neil about that topic, okay? Um, because that was on the back of an announcement that um, Matt Cutts recently made, right? Um, about the fact that they're going to look at introducing a penalty filter. Um, on, you know, guest posting, guest blogging. And, you know, what, what it's geared towards is since guest blogging became popular, there was like an army of, of automated tools and automated content generators. And in fact, not all of it was automated in terms of the content generation, but the point is that a lot of guest posting, guest blogging was done just for link acquisition. And, and that comes across when you, you it's you're lacking quality really is what was what ends up happening and that's what Google's trying to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. I can assume. Yeah, you know, and um you know G- Google's principle is that they they're obviously you know trying to avoid as they call it gaming the system, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but of course everyone in the whole world wants to know how to get more exposure on Google, so you're going to try different tactics and techniques, you know, and what might be white hat today might be black hat tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of ethical work that was going on. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just not going to work in the future. So is guest blogging going to go away? No, it's not at all. And I think, um, I think the key thing that people should focus on is, um, producing the best quality content they can. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, every bit of content that I put out, I mean, a lot of it's podcasts, videos and things like that, but, I, I invest a lot of time in making sure that content is the best it could possibly be um, because it's evergreen. It lasts forever and it's your voice out on the web. And um, whether it's used for a guest post or whatever, I want to make sure that anyone touching that, you know, comes out of it with a good quality experience. Um, either they've learned something or, you know, however it might be. And I think if you focus on that and and when you reach out to communities and blogs to guest post on that you're focused on uh, their audience and their traffic rather than the links yeah so if you go at it from a traffic perspective and make sure you're adding values good quality content um and if you think in that way and reach out to people that way then uh, you know you'll continue because because you know, having a, a post on someone else's blog with a backlink, that's just not going to get penalized because that's the essence of the web. 
right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, that's the way everything works. So, you know, that that's not going to get penalized. I think that they will know and they'll develop their algorithm to look at, you know, the volume people, you know, um, and that's, that's where the risk comes in. So I, I don't know if Neil's published something recently, but I know that, you know, we had a discussion on guest posting um, at that time when I interviewed Neil and, um, you know, and we sort of agreed on that point, you know, and that, that's the big thing, you know, guest posting is not going to die, but you just need to focus on it for traffic rather than links. Yeah. And I think also what was mentioned in the article uh, that he sent was uh, the relevance. So whatever it is that you're, you're posting about, you're doing your guest post about should be relevant to what the website talks about in general. So I think as long as you can stay on the course that way, then that, that will certainly uh, never be a bad thing. Absolutely. Great. So, you know, it sounds like you've got a, a great product. You're focused on that. You've got some traffic, a traffic, you know, strategy, um, and a really neat one, I think, with embedding your logo as well. Um, I mean, that's going to be really, really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, if anyone's, you know, listening to this, then that they can go to, is it surveytosale.com? Yep, survey to sale could be the number two, could be the the word two t o. It's you know I've purchased all the domains, so you should be able to uh, land on the right page, no matter which one you type in. <laughs> Good. Well, you get a thumbs up from me because so many people forget to do that, and it's one oh, yeah. of the things that uh, you know I always teach in my communities is that if you come up with a name and you think it's a really good name, for God's sake, buy all the domains. Yeah. Don't just buy the dot com. <laughs> yeah, you know the test I did for that. If this is helpful, hopefully it is for for your listeners. Um, was I when I told people the name of my product or my my website, I would tell it to them once, and I'd say write it down. And I looked at what they wrote down, and it's incredible the different variations that you see that they write down. So that led me to uh, purchasing survey dash the number two dash sale dot com. I purchased survey to sell. Uh, com. Perhaps there's a, a southern accent going on in there. I don't know. Right. So it was a really interesting exercise for finding out uh, just from saying, "Here's my my the name of my product." Now write it down. Uh, what what you what comes out of the uh, the mix? So yeah. that's a good strategy for buying domains. Uh, and you bought the .net, the .org, and you know you don't have to buy necessarily every single one. But at <laughs> right, least yeah. all the main ones, right? The main ones, yes. I didn't buy all the uh, the net and orgs and all that for every single one, but yeah, the, the main one exactly yeah. for sure. Yeah, because you do get people out there, you know, piggybacking your brand, and then uh, and I hate that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess trademarking as well, you know, is something that, you know, once you've settled on a good name and brand, and you want to like really back it, then you should trademark it as well, because not not for the obvious reason. So a lot of people think, well, you got to trademark it in case you know someone else publishes something and you want to sue them because at the end of the day not a lot of people it's not about suing because that's a big exercise and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. money involved it's more what i find is if if someone publishes say a youtube video um that's talking about your product in a negative way so in other words defamation you you kind of want to get that removed and um and if you've got a trademark it's really easy to fill out the form with google on youtube with your trademark number and it dis- it'll disappear the next day. Incredible. I didn't know that. There yeah. you go. So, you know, as long as it's defamation, you know what I mean? It's got to be right. a negative video. For um, sure. If someone's just reviewing it with, with um, authority, then that's different. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of videos that go up there who are just trying to piggyback your traffic 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the easiest way to get that removed is to fill out the form with Google, and you're in a lot stronger position to do that if you've got a trademark. Good to know. Yeah, so there you go. Tip tip from Paul today. Yeah, pro tip with Paul Clifford. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, Trevor, I've really enjoyed having you on on the show. Um, I think uh, for anyone listening, you know, it, it's a it's a great tool. Um, it's uh, you know you can get it a survey to sale. Maybe you could, maybe you probably got it running on the site, so you can probably see. And I think you've got a free trial going, haven't you? That's correct. Everything you said is correct. Uh, you can get a free trial. I just do a uh, actually, I just introduced it recently a fourteen day uh, no credit card required free trial. So there's no you know very low barrier to entry. Get it on your site, get it set up, and see how it works. See how it goes. See how you like it. And um, then if you like it, you can sign up for the uh, the paid versions. Excellent. Great, Trevor. Well, I um, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for that. And we're going to keep in touch. Um, and for any listeners that uh, want to get hold of Trevor, then, you know, I guess go to uh, survey to sell and, you know, fill out the contact uh, form and have a chat. Yeah, or just email me directly at uh, Trevor at survey Now, to everyone listening to the show, Trevor and I are running a contest. Essentially, all you have to do is leave a comment in the comments box below and let us know what question you would like to ask your audience. In other words, whenever someone hits your site or looks at your product, what is the one question you want to ask them? Leave that in the comments box below and we will pick two winners um, by the end of the month and each of those winners will win an annual license to survey to sale. So that's worth $648 to you so you can actually put this into action and increase your sales for absolutely nothing so all you have to do is leave a comment below we will choose the winners and we'll let you know at the end of the month and you could be a winner so go to the blog disruptware.com and do that today if you enjoyed the show you can get the show notes from disruptware.com and if you are not a subscriber and you're listening to this on the iTunes store then please visit disruptware.com and sign up. That's it for this episode. Look out for next week's show. I'm Paul Clifford and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Disruptware podcast. Check us out on the web at disruptware.com.